But I appreciate Brother Stephen. He was uh, called to preach at Sand Mountain Bible Camp after he gave up uh, an all-star game for Whitfield County. And the coach got all mad at him, saying, why don't you play first base for Whitfield County All-Stars? And he said, I need to set a better example and go to junior camp. And he went to junior camp, Sand Mountain Bible Camp. And uh, on that week, he was called to preach. So that's a lot better than hitting home runs, amen? And being a professional athlete. And he's a Tennessee fan, so y'all don't hold that against him. Amen? So come preach, brother. Stephen, thank you. Love you, buddy. Amen. Take your time. Take your Bible, sermon with me, book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll walk our way through 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll look a little bit into chapter 5 as well. And I'll give you a few conclusions, a few takeaways. And we'll be done. So... That's the plan. Um, it's good to be here. I always, I'm always excited to be back at my home church, celebrating 43 years. It's tough to know what to preach on special days. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you uh, ever deal with that. Um, you know, some of you other, but um, you know, it's it's easy when it's just like, hey, come preach, and you preach. You know, open the Bible, point your finger, and you're good to go. But special days are a little tough. I was thinking about uh, different things to preach and. Uh, I was joking around with Ben. I told him I'm going to preach on Hezekiah, you know. Um, man, uh, asked for a little bit more time and then blew it. So I was going to preach on, you know, staying too long. <clears throat> I'm just kidding, Dad. I had, a, uh, just, I had a conversation with Dad on the 40th anniversary. I said, hey, why don't you do the whole pastor emeritus thing? And, uh, you know, it's 40 years. That's, that's a good amount of time. And I thought he was going to punch me in the face. I don't think he's ever looked at me so mad. It's like, I'm not ready to retire. I wasn't saying retire. I was like, you know, travel, do your whole marriage conference thing. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it was not a good idea. He, uh, <clears throat> he was not a fan. The reality is, it's going to be like, uh, we're going to be celebrating the 120th anniversary of Whitfield Baptist Church. Dad will still be pastor, and we'll all be dead and gone. Uh, but, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be at it. I appreciate I love I love my dad. I love uh, his faithfulness and you know, I wasn't here when it started, but it, it really got going after I was born. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, had to turn the auditorium, construction projects, built the gym just for me. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. Second Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at all of it, but we'll just read right now. Uh, go with me to verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's a weird verse. He says, we look not at the things which are seen. So we're not looking at stuff we see. That makes a lot of sense. If grammatically you could say, but we look for things that are not seen. We look for things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen are eternal. I want to preach on nothing lasts forever except the things that do. Nothing lasts forever except the things that do. I was driving a delivery of tile. That's what I do. I don't really deliver all the time, just when uh, it works out. But I was driving a delivery of tile up to Chattanooga and I got off at Brainerd Road and uh, deliveries were just right there, dropped off the tile and I thought, I'm just going to swing on through the tunnels and Merge over onto Bailey Avenue, and I drew, drove through the old campus where I graduated from, Tennessee Temple Academy. I went through the academy, 
and uh, had a full ride to the uh, university, but I passed on that one. Um, but the uh, I drove through the academy, and I drove right there. Uh, took a, a left right on to uh, right past the old high school building, and had a new name on it, some girls' preparatory thing. Drove past the college gymnasium. It was being completely redone into office space for Revolution Church or Redemption Church or one of those one-name words that start with an R. Revolt Church, Reunion Church, whatever it was. I didn't say that. I drove through there. I drove past what was Vance Gymnasium. Spent a whole lot of hours in that gym. Blood, sweat, tears, maybe a little vomit. I was quite out of shape. and Boy, did he believe in conditioning. And now it had that church's name on it. It was their gymnasium. All the banners that were hung were now down. It was gone. The academy's not even there anymore. And I was sad. And I thought, man, that just... You know, it was there for 25 years. I spent four years there. Now I'm driving through and it's something totally and completely different. It's gone. So I was sad for a minute, but then I began to keep, I kept driving. I just thought, you know, there's some things that just aren't gone. There was an impact that was made on me. That's not gone. I, um, the next day I wrote a, a, a note to my principal. I got his address and, and, Sent him a little card. I can't remember the last time I mailed a card. They have this amazing new contraption called email. Uh, but I mailed him a card and thanked him. And I just thought through, driving back, I thought through all of those memories that I had and all the impact that was made on my life, coaches that made an impact on my life, teachers that made an impact on my life. I thought about my classmates and we would go and we would play uh, music on the walking bridge and, and hand out tracks and and I thought about a young man that was there setting up for a fireworks show. His dad ran this uh, pyrotechnic company, and he was there setting up, and he was out talking, and, and this, this, this group of girls brought him to me and said, hey, he wants to get saved. And I guess I was the guy who could do that. <laughs> I was like, so I took him through the Bible and showed him how to be saved, and he bowed and he prayed. That's not gone. You see, some things, you know, we, we say nothing lasts forever. You know, the, the academy I graduated from just a brief few years back, 20. God. You're getting old, Dad. 20 years since I graduated from high school. It's gone. But there's a young man who knows Christ as a Savior, and that will last forever. What we're looking at in this passage of Scripture is the temporal versus the eternal. You've got to learn, you've got to train yourself to stop looking at the things that will pass away. To stop looking at the things which are temporal. To stop focusing on this world because this world will pass away and all that's in it. And you've got to learn to look on the things that are not seen. Because those things are eternal. Let's pray and then we'll get into the message. God, I love you. I pray that you'll use me today. Help me as I preach your word. Lord, I pray that you'll Use your word to help your people. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you the, the, the harsh reality. 
There will probably be a day when you drive on Dugap Road and you look onto this property and there are apartment complexes or something really sad like a baby gap or it's just it's almost inevitable that there will come a day 200 years from now when all of us are dead and gone and dad's still trying to hold I don't know but the uh, you know there 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 may come a day when this building is dissolved when this structure is no longer here, this parking lot is something different. That day may come. May God help us not to come anytime soon. May it, I pray, I pray that the Lord comes back and Whitfield Baptist Church is sitting right here and we're, you know, I, I pray it's in the middle of a service and Dad's like on his 17th closing and God says, that's enough. <laughs> Closed. And up we go. That's what I'm praying. There's a pretty good chance too. <laughs> But if things go the way of the world, it will, things will change. But I can guarantee you this, there are some things that last forever. Amen. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. That's what I do. There are people who sat in these pews who uh, aren't here anymore. Boy, I could just look and see them. People in the back. Brother Clary, shaking hands, every, everybody that came in, he shook their hand. He would not have liked COVID. No. Social distancing would not have been his thing. <laughs> yeah, tell him, you can't shake hands or hug when you come into the building. He'd be like, well, forget you. <laughs> ah. It doesn't last forever. Our loved ones go on before. That's the temporal. Oh, but there's eternal. Those people left this pew and they are in the glories of God. Amen. People who my dad knocked on their door and drug them away from a television or got them to set their beer down. I mean, the stories are great. I love them. We'll hear a few today, I'm sure, but... And they bowed and trusted Christ as their Savior. People whose wives prayed for them over and over and over, years and years and years, and now they're in heaven with the Lord. We've got to stop focusing on the temporal. We've got to keep our eyes on the eternal. I'm not trying to downplay anything, but this virus is temporal. Souls are eternal. Eternal. Numbers go across the news and it's just another statistic. That's a soul that went into heaven or went into hell. We see the people. We see the numbers. we got to look beyond that. He said, I don't look at the things that we see. I look at the things that are unseen. I look at the day when I stand before Jesus Christ. Amen. I focus on the eternal Back up with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Man, that's such a great little verse. I wish we had the time to go back to chapter 3. Chapter 3, the very beginning of it, is, is so much a, 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 an example. I mean, it's just a testimony of the ministry of Paul, but man, you could read it about my dad. Man, I don't, he says, I don't talk about myself, I don't brag about myself, and he basically says, because I don't have to, because you do it for me. You are my bragging. You are my epistle. You are the ones who say, this is what I've spent my life doing. 
And I can tell you, we can get my dad up here. I, you know, y'all can give him accolades, awards, trips, whatever y'all do. I mean, y'all can, y'all can, y'all can praise him like that. But I can tell you, there is no greater honor you can pay to my dad, pay to your pastor, than just to be faithful and just to scream out, "I am a product of Whitfield Baptist Church." and of Pastor Wayne Cofield. That's what he said. He said, this is the ministry that we have. I love how it says, as we have received mercy. He says, you know why I have this ministry? You know why I work hard? You know why? Seriously, he's like, you know why I'm killing myself? We'll get to that in a minute. He says, you know why I'm killing myself? Because I have received so much mercy. I have this ministry as I have received mercy. We faint not. And he says, and I'm not going to quit. I mean... If dad believed in tattoos, he should get one of those. I'm not going to quit. But he doesn't, and he won't. Yeah. Oh, there's... But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This chapter is full of, of paradoxes or almost contradictory or opposite statements and we're just going to look at four of those very quickly as we walk through it. Number one, blinded minds and the glorious gospel. Blinded minds and the glorious gospel. It says, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You know, there is an enemy, the prince and power of this air, and he is working full time to keep the lost lost. And might I remind you that if our gospel is hid, if we bunker down, if we shelter ourselves, if we get scared, if we, if we get quiet, it's not hid to us, it's hid to the lost. If our gospel is hid, it's hid to the lost. Satan is working hard to blind the minds of those who don't know. The sad reality is if you look at verse 2, you get the idea that he's using preachers in so many cases. Paul says, I'm not one of those. He says, let me tell you what I am. He says, he says I've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. I'm not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth. You see, there's two ways that things are being done. And boy, this is so obvious today. There are those who are just crafty. They're skilled. They have a craft. They can talk. They can entertain. They can tickle your ears. They're so crafty. And they handle the Word of God deceitfully. Oh man, it breaks my heart. I mean, it breaks my heart when these guys who are packing stadiums and have no truth. They have no truth. They're, they're, They're propping themselves up. I mean, some of the biggest churches in the world... If you get a, a global perspective, you start going to some of the African nations, there are massive, massive churches. You'd be like, I didn't know that. There are massive churches and they have false preachers. 
and they're, they're, they're driving the nicest cars and flying in the nicest planes, and they're handling the Word of God deceitfully, and Satan is blinding the minds of the lost. Paul said, that's not what I've done. He says, but by the manifestation of the truth. You know what he said? He said, I don't talk about myself. I don't talk about, I don't lift myself up. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't just tickle your ears. I don't just tell you things you want to hear. I don't just tell you if you'll, if you'll serve God, if you'll follow God, everything's going to work out good for you. If you're sick, just, just, just trust God more and give some more to my ministry and, and, and God will bless that and heal you. Everything's going to be perfect if you're right with God and if you're doing right. That's, that's, the, that's the deceitfully handling the Word of God. He said, that's not what I do. He said, you know what I do? I manifest the truth. Amen. I take the Word of God, I lift it up, and I, I manifest it. I, I shine the light on it. All I'm here to do is just tell you, this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. Paul said, that is, that is my message. You see, these, these, these false preachers and their message it will pass away. It's temporal. Their big buildings and their stadiums and their, their fancy cars and their, 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 their expensive suits and, and their entire ministry, it will pass away. It's temporal. This. When the whole world passes away, the Word of God will last forever. This is forever. The Gospel is forever. Blinded minds in the glorious Gospel. Number two, look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Earthen vessels and excellent power. Earthen vessels. We have blind demise and the glorious gospel. Earthen vessels and excellent power. It says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. An earthen vessel is limited. An earthen vessel is temporal. I'm sure you are well aware of this reality now. Your earthen vessel is temporal. And it seems like just... Uh, you're, you're more aware of death. The older you get, the more things that you, uh, you, you live through. You just can't help but be... I mean, like this whole... 2020 was like a, a year of just... All that was talked about was death. And it just seemed like so many of friends and loved ones and people I knew just it seemed like funeral after funeral. And this earthen vessel is temporal. But we hold within it a treasure. This body will pass away, but boy, we hold a treasure within it. We have a job to do. It's that excellent power may be of God and not of us. Look at verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. This vessel is troubled. This, this vessel is perplexed. This vessel is persecuted. But we are not distressed. We are not in despair. We are not forsaken. We are not cast down. Can I tell you something? The Christian life is a victorious life. <coughs> we shouldn't live in fear. The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you look at the temporal 
and you focus, if you watch the news or if you follow Facebook, Lord help you, you are going to be perplexed. You are going to be distressed. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to, be, you're going to feel persecuted. But if you stop looking at the things that are seen, and you start looking at the things that are not seen, and you focus on the eternal, then there is no time for fear. There is no time for cowardice. There is no time to step back. The church is not a, a, a church that says, uh, you know, our four, no more. The church is not a, you know, we will, we're just gonna, we're gonna, you know, hold on till Jesus comes. That is not the church that Jesus Christ started. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We're on attack. We're pressing forward. We focus on the eternal. The earthen vessels and the excellent power. Number three, look with me. Verse 12. <coughs> I don't know if you're supposed to sing and preach at the same time. There's some people talented enough to do that. I hate those people. Those people who can write songs and sing songs and preach and write books. Yeah, I'm talking about Kaikendall. I can't stand those people. <clears throat> so, so talented, ridiculous. Chapter 4 and verse 12. I skipped a couple. Back up to verse 10. Always bearing about in the body dying, the, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You know that's the job of our earthen vessel? That's the job of the believer Manifest Christ. He says, Paul said, I'm literally showing the dying of Jesus. You can look on my body. You can look at my scars, my wounds. My, I mean, he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. All of those things. We can go through the list. He gives the list for us. And he says, you can look on my body. You can see the dying of Jesus. He said, but my body is here to manifest the life of Jesus. That's your purpose. As an earthen vessel, your purpose is not to hoard it's not to see how much money I can fit in this life. It's not to see how much prestige or power or things I can accumulate. Your vessel is to pour out Jesus. It's to take it to the world. To take it down the street and say, here's Jesus. To take it to Peru and say, here's Jesus. To take it to Africa and say, here's Jesus. That's the job of this earthen vessel. And just say, this, this vessel's not about me. I'm just an earthen vessel. What's a, what, what this vessel is about is the treasure, the gospel. We're to pour it out. He says, I want to manifest. Uh, Jesus might be made manifest in my body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. He's, he's saying, literally, we are dying doing what we're doing. They were being slaughtered. The Christians at this time were being killed for preaching the gospel. <clears throat> Paul finds himself in prison often. And he says, we, we are delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. There it is again. Even if we die, Jesus is being lifted up. That's looking beyond the temporal and seeing the eternal. You can take this life from me, but you can't take eternal life from me. That's the eternal. <clears throat> Verse 12, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. That's number three. Death in us, life in you. There are stories of, 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 of men who... who 
burned out for Jesus. I mean, literally. You look at David Brainerd and there's a few others who, I mean, they, they died before they even reached full adulthood. I mean, I'm talking like 20, 23, 24 years old and they just died. Just going to the, the, the Indians in America and different, I mean, just, just, they talk about burning out for Jesus. And <clears throat> we can talk, we can, we can argue back and forth about whether they should have taken better care of themselves, taken some rest, all those kind of things. But you know what they said? My life is all about Christ. Amen. Death in us, life in you. They said, I will give up my life. I will give up my life for you to have eternal life. I mean, how in the world do these people decide to go? My best friend's in Peru right now learning Spanish, trying to learn Spanish. <clears throat> It'll be a long two years. But they're in Peru right now. Our two little boys, yeah, I was talking with them the other day, and I said, hey, is there anything you need? I got, you know, Chase is going down. Is there anything you need? I can get it for you. I sent him some Reese's. That's what, that's, that's what he needs from America, Reese's cups. <clears throat> he said, can you send me a piece of California? I was like, heck no. I was like, no, I'm not sending California. I was like, unless that means I can like cut it off from America and send it all down to you, then sure. But I was like, no, I'm not California. Why would they leave their home, their family? Death in us, life in you. Amen. Verse 13, knowing. Verse 13, we, have, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. I circle both those times where it says believe. Look at verse 14, knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Oh, such a good verse. It says, you know why my life doesn't matter to me? Because Jesus is alive. So even if they cut my head off tomorrow, if Jesus is alive, then I will live again. And if Jesus was raised up, I'll be raised up. And one day I'll stand before God, me and you together. Because I gave my life. I gave death so that you could have life. Amen. That's so powerful. We get so caught up in living our life. Our life. Like it belongs to us. Like it's mine. We get so caught up in living our life. My others are dying and going to hell. And Paul said, I'm trading my life, my comfort, my ease, my good job, my nice car, my security, my retirement, whatever. I'm trading it all for your life. Do you remember the passage where he said, if I could, I'd give up my salvation for you. He said, for my kinsmen, my brothers, my family. He says, I would, I would, I would be accursed for you to believe. Death in us, life in you. <clears throat> Number four. We've got to hurry. I'll skip just a little bit. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Light affliction. Light affliction, eternal glory. Amen. Light momentary 
affliction, exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Can I tell you what we're doing? I say we. I'm talking to me here. Do you know what I do so often? I got two choices. The things which are seen, the temporal, the things which are not seen, the eternal. And I say, I'll take that. I'll take, I don't want the light affliction. I don't want the discomfort. I don't want the momentary problem. And I say, I'll take ease. I'll take comfort. I'll take materialism. I'll take the the good of this world. And I choose that over the exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I choose the temporal over the eternal. I'm talking daily. I'm making these decisions. And those are choices I make. I think that's a problem we all have. We live in this world. It's full of pretty and shiny things. We live in a world where we can have some real comfort. We can have a nice house and air conditioning and heat sometimes. And we can have I mean we can have we can have all these nice things. But Paul said, I'll take the light affliction. I don't think we I don't I don't think me and him have the same definition of light affliction, by the way. I mean my, my light affliction is like it's a little too cold in the auditorium today or something like that. His light affliction is like, you know, this, this jail cell really is awful. Those stripes really hurt. My friend was just killed for the gospel. He called it light affliction. It's for a moment. See, because I want the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at chapter 5. For we know if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You should mark that. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall be found naked. For if we that are in this tabernacle do groan. Again, you see that. We groan. Being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up in life. <clears throat> you know Paul's struggle. He said, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. So often he struggled with, should I stay and live? But I want to go so bad. I don't know that we struggle like that. Because I think we're too focused on the temporal. We're not focused enough on the eternal. But he said, this tabernacle, this body that I have, it was going to be dissolved. And in this, I groan. I groan. He's like, I want heaven. I want eternity. I want that immortal I want that immortal body. <coughs> he said, I groan for this. But he said, I'm not going to quit. He says, I'm not just trying to, to, to go unclothed. He says, I want to be wrapped up in immortality. He says, I want to finish. I don't want to quit. I want to finish. And he was living for the eternal. Look at verse 9. We're back up. Verse 7. For we walk by faith and not sight. We are confident. You should circle that. Confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor 
that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. That's the true eternal view. Everything I do, everything I do is seen of God. And one day, I will stand before God. Whether absent, whether right now, on this earth, I want to please God. And then when I stand before Him face to face, I want to be accepted. I want to please God. Because we're all, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. What you do now will be seen later. It will be judged later. He says what, that the things that I've done in this body will be judged by God, by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Let me give you a few takeaways and we're done. It's the gospel that makes an eternal difference. Any other message is, is just temporal. <clears throat> it's just talk. He may be entertaining. He may be funny. He may be exciting. He may draw big crowds. But if it's not the gospel, it's a waste. It's one thing I love about this church. This is a gospel preaching church. You've got a pastor who preaches the gospel. And the gospel makes an eternal difference. Our lives, the the second takeaway, our lives are just a vessel to manifest Jesus. It's all we're here for. Just shine the light on Jesus. It's not yours. It's not your life. He gave it to you. You're His vessel. Magnify Him. The third takeaway, this is not just life and death. This is eternal life and eternal death. These decisions aren't just about having fun now, being comfortable now, being safe now. These decisions are about eternity. The choices you make may be heaven or hell to someone else. You've got to quit looking at the things which are seen and focus on the things which are not seen. You can live for a moment or you can live for eternity. Every day that's your choice. You wake up and you decide, do I live for now? Do I seize the day? Do I live for this moment that will pass away? Or do I live for eternity. And the reason for it all is one day we will all stand before Christ. Oh, what a blessed hope. My hope springs eternal. Because one day, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. We have so many reminders. I mean, I drove through Tennessee Temple Academy's property and I was reminded of the temporal and the eternal. I drive by cemeteries and I'm reminded of the temporal and the eternal. Things come and things go. It's the gospel that makes an eternal difference. What are you going to do with your life? Are you going to live it for yourself? Or are you going to live for eternity? God, I love you. I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you'll help us to make decisions that matter. <clears throat> I pray that you'll be with the hour to come. I ask this in your name. Amen. <clears throat>